Freedom Church, uh, just the life that's here is absolutely contagious. It's incredible. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. I said to Fox, there's so much life here. And that's what God's doing, to see this hall so full. I tell you, I stand in humble amazement of what God's doing in and through the leadership of this church and in and through you. So thank you once again for the invitation. I'm not putting my laptop up yet to be smart, but I wear glasses. And this is the only way I can get it to the side that I can see without glasses. So, so please forgive me my, if my laptop dies. Here's my notes, but they're a little bit small. Eh? So, so yeah, absolute privilege being with you and um, just sharing with you. I, you know, in, in, my, in my short life, of uh, how old am I, mom? 47 years. <laughs> In my short life of 47 years, God's, God's allowed me to travel a bit. And, and you know what? One of the most amazing traveling stories that I will never, never forget as long as I live is a, is a, is a happening that changed my life. I had the privilege of leading 76 students from Africa to the United States, fine athletes, to go and compete internationally against how many other countries and um, the, two, the two teams from Africa that, that, that was the biggest was Team South Africa, of course, and, and Team Zimbabwe. And uh, on the way there, we had loads of fun, loads of fun. We had enjoyment. We visited a couple of states in the United States, and we ended up at um, uh, Virginia, the, the university in Virginia, where this, um, this event will take place. And part of the Zimbabwe team was a boy by the name of Sebastian. If I can give a heading to my talk this morning, it'll be in honor of Sebastian. A boy of 16, 17 years old taught me something that day that I'll never forget as long as I live. And it's actually something that keeps me strong. If you are familiar with athletics, 4 by 100 meters requires four athletes, correct? Okay, four athletes. So when the Formula 100 meter event, um, they called everybody together and all the students lined up. And when this was about to start, I looked over the field and I saw all four South African athletes are there. But there's only three Zimbabwean athletes. And I thought, my goodness, what is happening? Sebastian's not on the starting line. I turned and I ran towards the team tent because this is a diligent professional young man. And I went, on the way there, a student ran up to me and said, Sir, come quickly. Sebastian is in bad shape. It's like my heart sank. I went on my way, I saw him sitting in front of the bathrooms, shaking, as white as a sheet. Can't get up, he spikes out. And I look at him and I said to him, My boy, what's wrong? And without looking at me, he's his face between his knees. He says, just wait, sir. Just wait. And I waited. And it's like God put courage in my heart. And I said to him, my boy, I don't know what's wrong, but I want you to get up. I want you to take your spikes. And I want you to go down onto the field and you want to start this race for your teammates. He says, sir, I can't. Please just send the reserve. I've been vomiting I, I, I'm really down and out, so I don't know what's happening. 
I said to him, my boy, you ran the 100 meter for yourself and you qualified for the finals. The 200 meter and the 400 meter, you ran for yourself, you qualified for the finals. But there's athletes in your team that came here to run this race. I'm not sending up the reserve. You're it. God's got your number. He destined you to run this race. Take courage, my boy, and go and run this race. And I want you to start. When that shot goes, I want you to start out of those blocks. And I want you to walk your 100 meter as fast as you can and hand the baton over. You're it, my boy. He looked at me with tears in his eyes and he says, so I'll try. And the guys that were standing, sitting there heard what's happening. And they rushed over and I went down to the judge's table to buy some time, which you can't do in an international event. But I tried. And as I finished with the, student, with the judge's desk, I turned around and I saw Sebastian, yeah, they've carried him down the stairs. They've put his spikes on somehow. And I put my arms around you. I said, you go for it, my boy. You go for it, my boy. And I looked into his eyes and I saw courage in his eyes. And I turned around and I heard, on your marks. And when that shot went, Sebastian was out of those blocks like I have never seen him run before. He handed over at the baton to the second runner and virtually collapsed in his track. Second runner ran, third runner ran, fourth runner ran. Zimbabwe finished an, an international event out of eight teams second that day. The three, may, uh, the three students came running to me. Sebastian wasn't there. They were still busy with him. Three students came and we celebrated. And they said, sir, we never thought we were going to do it. From this little Afri Af country in Africa, second in the international event. At that moment, I heard my name called over the intercom system. Mr. Smith, manager from Team Africa, would you urgently come to the judge's desk, please? My heart sank. My heart sank. And I thought, no, I look around, I don't see Sebastian. I go to the judges' table. They say, sir, we've got terrible news. I said, what is it? I say, Team South Africa won the race. Team Zimbabwe came second. Unfortunately, sir, due to a technical error, Team South Africa has been disqualified. Team Zimbabwe won the race. I remember that moment I turned and Sebastian... Somehow came. He was standing with his arms like this, not believing his ears. Friends, that team broke out in song and dance there. And everybody, when that was announced in the stadium, this, the guys went ballistic because they saw what was happening. God put courage in the heart of one young man because he waited. He touched his team and everybody celebrated. God is amazing. Just wait, sir. Just wait. I want to speak this morning about waiting. I recognize the value of waiting that morning like I haven't realized, recognized it before, realized it before. You see, I look at Psalm 40, and I look at David, and he says, I wait patiently. And I look at Sebastian's story, who taught me how to wait. And I put it together and I say, God, teach me something about waiting. Teach me something about waiting. And, and, and I don't think I get it right. 
I, I really think with regards to waiting, I've, I've, I've just touched the tip of the iceberg. But I've realized something that waiting on God is not like I'm waiting in the reception room of a doctor's room and waiting for him to finish with the previous patient so he can, so can come out and call my name. That's not the waiting I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the waiting where I feel so bad like Sebastian and I want to just rush into the doctor's room and I want to spill my story and I want to tell him what it's all about and I want him to fix me up so I can go on and carry on with my life and do the next thing that's waiting for me. That's not the waiting. Friends, what I realized is waiting on God is when I'm already in the doctor's room. When I'm in his presence, when I'm sitting on the bed or sitting on the chair, and he's busy with me, he's checking my heart out, he's listening to my lungs. While I'm in his rooms and in his presence, sometimes it hurts because he stitches up my wounds. Sometimes he feels my pressure. And sometimes he, he asks me, my, my boy, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? And I tell him what's wrong with me. And he listens intently. He knows, but he wants me to say that. And he gives me advice. And he gives me a prescription. And he puts me onto a recovery road, which I can't generate by myself. I need his help. That's the waiting I'm speaking about this morning. Now, if we look at Psalm 39, Psalm 39, David says, um, our days are numbered. And if you're a mom with kids at home or whether you're a civil engineer, a running project or anything in between, you will know if you've got a deadline, you're ticking off the dates. And the closer the date gets, the more we have to do to get it done. But in Psalm 40, David says, no, guys, stop running. There's a deadline. But whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait. Wait. So let's read the psalm together. I'm just going to read through it, and we're going to make some comments. Is that all right? As we go along, we're going to try and, try and understand the psalm together. All right? Okay, so if you have your Bibles, your iPad, your I don't think it's on Kindle yet, but um, turn to Psalm 40 if you would, please, and let's learn what Jesus wants to tell us. We're going to read from verse 1, and... Uh, what the psalm is about, I understand the psalm from, from verse 1 to verse 5. It is all about God's goodness, God's rescue, God's grace, God's mercy over David's life. It's the celebration. And then from verse 6 to verse 10, it's all about Jesus. This is a messianic psalm. It points to Jesus. So in that, those verses, it's all about Jesus. And then from verse 11 to verse 17 is where David is in the pit again. He's waiting on God again. And he could wait on God because God has done it before. God's put courage in his heart. He could wait again because God's done it before. All right? So in the beginning, it's about celebrating because it's all about Jesus. Because if I'm in the waiting or when I'm in the waiting, it's all about celebrating him because it's all about Jesus because, do you get the picture? Okay. Verse 1. We're going to get our first two points out of verse 1. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Point number one. 
When we're waiting on God, when we remember we're in His presence, don't be rushed. He's busy with me. I don't say to the doctor, hurry up, I've got an appointment. Uh-uh. He's busy with me. Don't be rushed. Don't be rushed. Why are we at the doctor's room? We expect that he can help us. When we're in his presence, we expect he can help us. That's why we can wait patiently. Don't be rushed. Point number two. There comes a point where the doctor says to me, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? Tell me how you feel. Point number two. He hears my cry. He hears my cry. You see, Father God is right here. I'm in his presence. He knows what's wrong with me, but he wants me to tell him because he longs for conversation with me. He longs for interaction. It's not a one-way channel. It's a relationship. So when I tell him, it's like I'm crying out. And then he gives me advice. But he hears my cry. Where did we read from cry? I think uh, last year when I spoke here, Exodus 3, remember? He hears my cry, he heard me, he has seen, he, has, he was concerned and he has come down. So he's right here. He's not a God that's from a distance. Like Beth Midler sings. He's a God right here. I'm in his presence. Okay. Can we move on? Don't be afraid to cry out. Point number two. We're going to get our point number three from verse number two. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. That's our third point. He lifted me out. Okay? Out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what's a mud and mire? You know what's a slimy pit? Who was born in the 70s, 80s, or 60s? 50s, 40s? Okay? I remember I once visited this auntie's house in Springs. <laughs> Don't be offended. <whistles> Bloop. <laughs> Do you know long drop? <laughs> That's a slimy pit. That's a slimy pit. That's where Jesus rescues me out of. I can't get myself out of that thing. He lifts me out of it. And I love what John Piper says. I absolutely love it. While I'm in the pit, David was in a pit, and he knows God could rescue him, but God rescues our hearts first. We just want to get out of the pit. He says, no, no, wait on me. That's my time to work with you. John Piper says this, he says, God moves us from a sense of desperation to a sense of security. Beautiful, eh? Nothing changed yet, I'm still in the pit, but he moves my heart. Second thing John Piper says, in fact, the essence of rescue is the restoration of that strong feeling of God's nearness and God's help. Even though I'm still in the pit, I'm still in this time of waiting, to, just to know that God is here and in me and with me and surrounds me and His presence are with me, that is enough to lift me out of the pit. Beautiful, eh? Beautiful. Okay, point number four. We're going to get it from verse three. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. 
Friends, Team Zimbabwe did not have a reason to sing. They didn't even have a reason to, 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 start, to start the race without a runner. They didn't, certainly didn't think they were going to win. And they certainly didn't think they were going to sing a song of celebration. But God put a song in their hearts because one young man took courage, touched the lives of his whole team that broke out in song, and then it says, everybody will see, many will see. Everybody from that stadium looked and they saw what was happening in front of their very eyes and they stood in amazement because they knew it was supernatural what just happened in front of them. How on earth can you run, come, came second, and it works that you win? God is in it. God is in it, friends. He puts a new song in our hearts. That's point number four. Point number five comes from verse number four. It says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. That's our, our fifth point. I put my trust in him. Who does not look, uh, who does not look to um, put my trust in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Friends, when I put my trust in God, in the Lord, he says, um, in fact, what I'm saying is he is my source. When I put my trust in him, while I'm in this, in this time of waiting, I put my trust in him, he is my source. You know, when somebody's your source, then, then they provide, isn't it? Yeah. I'm the source of my family. I provide for my family. God is our source of our family. He provides to me so I can provide for my family. You know what we go and do? It speaks here about blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. We look at the blessing. And we put our value on the blessing. Foxy gets a revelation. I get a bread. Tony gets a car. When my value is on the blessing that I get... then I narrow down who the giver of the blessing is. Don't put our value on the blessing. Put our value on the one who blesses us. He says in Proverbs, uh, Solomon prays in Proverbs, he says, give me, don't give me too much that I forget you, and don't give me too little that I steal. If I need something, he will provide it. Whether it is more expensive or less expensive than somebody else, that's besides the point. My value and who I am, my identity, is in the value giver or in the, in the blessing giver, not in the blessing. Okay? Remember that, friends. My focus changed. Point number six. Point number six, and we're nearly there. Many, Lord, it comes from verse five, many, Lord, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were, were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Friends, I remember in the time of waiting, this is our next point, point number six. In the waiting, I remember his wonders. I don't just sit and wait. I remember his wonders. I remember what he has done. Psalm 8, because he's mindful of me, I'm mindful of him. And because I'm mindful of him, he floods my heart, he floods my mind, and what comes out of my mouth, I cannot help but to speak his wonders. It's amazing, eh, guys? Yeah. 
Amazing, guys. I speak his wonders. Point number seven. Now we're going to read a passage here. It's between, we're going to read from verse 6 to verse 10. This whole passage points to Jesus. We learn out of it. It's practical to us as well, but it points to Jesus. I'll show you now. Point number seven is everything points to Jesus. When I'm in the waiting, point to Jesus. Not to our situation, not to the spit I find myself in, point to Jesus. Okay? Keep him the center. If there's something I can leave with you to, today in our lives, keep Jesus the center. Okay? Speak about his wonders. We're in the pit, right in the middle. It's a bigger lesson to this psalm than what we think. Right in the middle is pointing to Jesus. Amazing, eh? Okay. Let's read. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Nothing I could do, friends, could pay for my sin. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice. He was the only one worthy to pay for my sin so that I can be taken out of what I am in and taken out into and placed into what he has for me. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus, and everything in the New Testament points to Jesus. Jesus is right in the middle between the Old and the New Testament. He's the reason for the Old and the New Testament. Amazing, eh? Okay. Then it says, uh, here am I. Verse number 8. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Jesus came to fulfill the law. This reminds me of Matthew 26, verse, verse 39, where, 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 where Jesus said, um, Not my will, but your will be done. Friends, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is the only one that could say that. And because of that, I can say today, Jesus, not my will, but your will be done, even in the waiting. Okay? Verse 9, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips. Lord, as you know, Jesus didn't keep quiet. He explained to his situation, to his disciples, what he's all about, why he came, what he came to do. Okay? I proclaim your saving acts. Okay? Verse number 10. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. Who's our saving help? Jesus. He's the only one that came to save us. John 14. I am the only way to the Father. I came to take you out of. I'm your saving help to take you to the Father. My hand, the Father's hand, and He seals it. And nothing can break that thing. Amen. Okay. Where are we? Verse number 10. Okay. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Jesus touched lives all over the place with his love, with his grace, with his eyes. Sometimes he spoke, sometimes he just wrote in the ground because he didn't want to embarrass a lady. It was caught in the act of adultery. And when he looked up, he, sa- she, he says to her, where's your accusers? And they say they've all gone. And he says to her, your sins are forgiven. Or um, what's the words? That's it. Yeah, I don't accuse you anymore. Go. And sin no more. See, redemption came first and then the command. Not the command, go and perform and then I'll accept you. No, I accept you. Go and sin no more. Friends, nothing we can do can save us from who we are. 
Okay. This is the point. When I point to Jesus, I realize what he did for me on the cross. He broke his body for me. And in that state, he takes me out of my brokenness into his wholeness. I can't get there any other way. Okay. Right, last point. Point number eight. We're going to read from verse 11 to verse 17. And this is where David is again in the state of waiting. It says, Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and your faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. And my heart fails within me. Be pleased, with, uh, be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin turn back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help, my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Friends, the point in this is this. In my waiting, I display the character of God. You know what David does here? He takes all these feelings that he has inside and he realizes vengeance is not mine. Vengeance is the Lord's. And he takes it and he puts it on the table and he says, Jesus, Father God, you deal with it. I can't deal with it. This load is too heavy for me. I can't carry this load. Won't you take it? Friends, let's take it and give it to Jesus. Let's take it and give it to Jesus. And when we do, others whether we believe it or not, in the workplace from Monday to Friday or Saturday, people watch our lives. And they learn more about Jesus from our lives because they're not people that read God's Word. We live for the benefit of others. We live for the benefit of others. When Sebastian was touched, his team was touched, the stadium was touched. Because God in the waiting put courage in his heart. This morning, there might be some of us here that's on the hill, that's just came through the waiting, and you're rejoicing and you speak of God's wonders. I want to say to you this morning, don't forget what God took you out of. Deuteronomy 8, I think, says don't forget where you came from. Don't rely on that, but don't forget, because God saved us. And when you're in the pit this morning... I want to say, don't rush the time. Be in God's waiting. He is going to rescue you. He's going to take you out. Okay. Summary. Don't be rushed. He hears my cry. He will lift me out. He'll give me a new song. I trust in Him. I remember Him. I remember His wonders. It's all about Jesus for the benefit of others. For the benefit of others. Sebastian ran three races for himself, but the one that I will remember for always is the race that he ran for others, yes. not for himself. Yes. 
greatest lesson, one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in my life, Sebastian's words, just wait, sir, just wait. Amen. Amen.